Confucius once heard two of his pupils quarreling. One was of a gentle nature and was called by all the students a peaceful man. The other had a good brain and a kind heart, but was given to great anger. If he wished to do a thing, he did it, and no man could prevent. If anyone tried to hinder him, he would show sudden and terrible rage. One day after one of these fits of temper, the blood came from his mouth, and in great fear he went to Confucius. What shall I do with my body? he asked. I fear I shall not live long. It may be better that I no longer study and work. I am your pupil, and you love me as a father. Tell me what to do for my body. Confucius answered, Say, Lu, you have a wrong idea about your body. It is not the work and study, but your great anger that causes the trouble. I will help you to see this. You remember when you and Noah Wu quarreled, he was at peace and happy, again in a little time, but you were very long in overcoming your anger. You cannot expect to live long if you do that way. Every time one of the pupils says a thing you do not like, you are greatly enraged. There are a thousand in this school. If each offends you only once, you have a fit of temper a thousand times this year, and you will surely die. If you do not use more self-control, I want to ask you some questions. How many teeth have you? I have 32, teacher. How many tongues? Just one. How many teeth have you lost? I lost one when I was nine years old, and four when I was 26 years old. And your tongue, is it still perfect? Oh yes. You know Mongoon, who is quite old. Yes, I know him well. How many teeth do you think he had at your age? I do not know. How many has he now? Two, I think. But his tongue is perfect, though he's very old. You see the teeth are lost because they are strong and determined to have everything that they desire. They are hard and hurt the tongue many times, but the tongue never hurts the teeth, yet it endures till the end. While the teeth are the first of man to decay, the tongue is peaceful and gentle with the teeth. It never grows angry and fights them, even when they are in the wrong. It always helps them do their work in preparing man's food for him. Although the teeth never help the tongue, and they always resist everything, and so it is with man. The strongest to resist is the first to decay, and you, Tse Lu, will be even so if you learn not the great lesson of self-control. The Emperor, so they say, has sent a message directly from his deathbed, to you alone, his pathetic subject, a tiny shadow which has taken refuge at the furthest distance from the Imperial Sun. He ordered the Herald to kneel, down beside his deathbed and whispered the message to him. He thought it was so important that he had the herald repeat it back to him. He confirmed the accuracy of the verbal message by nodding his head, and in front of the entire crowd of those who have come to witness his death, all the obstructing walls have been broken down, and the great ones of his empire standing in a circle on the broad and high-soaring flights of stairs. In front of all of them he dispatched his herald, the messenger started off at once, a powerful, tireless man, sticking one arm out and then another. He makes his way through the crowd. If he runs into resistance, he points to his breast, where there is a sign of the sun, so he moves forward easily, unlike anyone else. But the crowd is so huge, its dwelling places are infinite. If there were an open field, how he would fly along, and soon you would hear the marvelous pounding of his fists on your door. But instead of that... How futile are his efforts. He is still forcing his way through the private rooms of the innermost palace. He will never win his way through. And if he did manage that, nothing would have been achieved. He would have to fight his way down the steps. And if he managed to do that, nothing would have been achieved. He would have to stride through the courtyards, and after the courtyards, the second palace, encircling the first, and then again stairs and courtyards, and then once again a palace, and so on for thousands of years. And if he finally did burst through the outermost door, 
that can never never happen the royal capital city the center of the universe is still there in front of him piled high and full of sediment no one pushes his way through certainly not with a message from a dead man but you sit at your window and dream to yourself of that message when evening comes work death and sickness by leo tolstoy this is a legend current among the south american indians god say they at first made men so that they had no need to work they needed neither houses nor clothes nor food and they all lived till they were a hundred and did not know what illness was when after some time god looked to see how people were living he saw that instead of being happy in their life they had quarreled with one another and each caring for himself had brought matters to such a pass that far from enjoying life they cursed it then god said to himself this comes of their living separately each for himself and to change this state of things god so arranged matters that it became impossible for people to live without working to avoid suffering from cold and hunger they were now obliged to build dwellings and to dig the ground and to grow and gather fruits and grains work will bring them together thought god they cannot make their tools prepare and transport their timber build their houses sow and gather their harvest spin and weave and make their clothes each one alone by himself will make them understand that the more heartily they, they work together the more they will have and the better they will live and this will unite them time passed on and again god came to see how men were living and whether they were now happy but he found them living worse than before they worked together that they could not help doing but not all together being broken up into little groups and each group tried to snatch work from other groups and they hindered one another wasting time and strength in their struggles so that things went ill with them all having seen that this too was not well god decided so as to arrange things that man should not know the time of his death but might die at any moment and he announced this to them knowing that each of them may die at any moment thought god they will not by grasping at gains that may last so short a time spoil the hours of life allotted to them but it turned out otherwise when god returned to see how people were living he saw that their life was as bad as ever those who were strongest availing themselves of the fact that men might die at any time subdued those who were weaker killing some and threatening others with death it came about that the strongest and their descendants did no work and suffered from the weariness of idleness and while those who were weaker had to work beyond their strength and suffered from lack of rest each set of men feared and hated the other and the life of man became yet more unhappy having seen all this god to mend matters decided to make use of one last means he sent all kinds of sickness among men god thought that when all men were exposed to sickness they would understand that those who are well should have pity on those who are sick and should help them that when they themselves fall ill those who are well might in turn help them and again god went away but when he came back to see how men lived now that they were subject to sickness he saw that their life was worse even than before the very sickness that in god's purpose should have united men had divided them more than ever those men who were strong enough to make others work forced them also to wait on them in times of sickness but they did not in their turn look after others who were ill and those who were forced to work for others and to look after them when sick were so worn with work that they had no time to look after their own sick 
but left them without attendance. The sight of the sick folk might not disturb the pleasures of the wealthy. Houses were arranged in which these poor people suffered and died, far from those whose sympathy might have cheered them, and in the arms of hired people who nursed them without compassion, or even with disgust. Moreover, people considered many of the illnesses infectious, and fearing to catch them, not only avoided the sick, but even separated themselves from those who attended the sick. Then God said to himself, If even this means will not bring men to understand wherein their happiness lies, let them be taught by suffering. And God left men to themselves, and left to themselves men lived long, before they understood that they all ought to and might be happy. Only in the very last times had a few of them begun to understand that work ought not to be a bugbear to some, and like galley slavery for others, but should be a common and happy occupation uniting all men. They have begun to understand that with death constantly threatening each of us, the only reasonable business of every man is to spend the years, months, hours, and minutes allotted him in unity and love. They have begun to understand that sickness, far from dividing men, should on the contrary give opportunity for loving union with one another. 1903